Welcome to the Rise Up series. This is a series for men. The world is knocking men down and trying to keep them from their God-ordained purpose, to lead others out of darkness and into the light. Every man knows what it feels like to get knocked down, but not every man knows how to get back up again. And if a man gets knocked down enough times, he may even stop trying to get back up again. This series is intended to help men stand against the onslaught from the culture that might knock them down and will help those men who have been knocked down to get back up again. God has called you to a higher purpose. Welcome to Rise Up. Welcome, gentlemen, to the men's breakfast. And, uh, you know, it's interesting how as we plan and prepare and think about things like what we're doing here, and we are starting a new series this morning, and, and uh, you know, as I've been here doing this now for a minute or two, um, you know, there's an aspect where, if I, you know, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir in many respects, because, you know, you guys have been around for a while. Some of you are, like, really old. But... But every now and then, God reminds us how important it is what we're, what we're doing. And uh, that young man walking into the room, um, he is what we're talking about. He is the, the audience we're trying to reach. And, and he is not, he's not an aberration, he's normal. He, he is an example of what many men out in our culture are. And, and, and my heart breaks for him because, you know, and I, and I pray that, that this in, one encounter was, is not going to be the last with him. And, and if it's not here, I'm, I'm just praying he ends up somewhere where he can be ministered to. I mean, one of the things that he said to us is that, you know, he used to, he used to go to church. He used to be connected to men's ministry. And then some things changed in his life and he kind of moved away from it. And, and he finds himself in a pretty dark place right now. And so we're going we're gonna, to, before I actually begin, we'll pray, and we'll pray for him again. But that, this is what this is about, is that men are being knocked down. They're being knocked down by life, by all sorts of things. And unfortunately, some of them choose to stay down. And, and as men of God, that can never be our choice. That can never be our, our end. We must always rise up. And so we're gonna we're gonna pray, and then we'll then we'll get into this uh, message this morning. I thank you, Lord, for this time, and I thank you, Lord God, for your confirmation, Lord, your reminding us how important it is that what we're doing here that that sometimes when we show up and the same seven or eight or nine faces are here, um, Lord, uh, remind us that there are others watching. Um, as we are live streaming this, there may be some watching this live, and if not live, they may watch it later. And so we pray, Lord, that you would use this time, this message, to minister hope and peace and restoration and healing and forgiveness and everything else that somebody might, um, might come to this message needing. Lord, we know, God, that you are able to provide to each and every one of us exactly what we need in the moment that we need it. And so we give you this time, Lord, and we ask for your blessing upon it, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So um, we're going to begin our new series today. The series is Rise Up, and uh, the subtitle to it is Challenging Men to Live Up to God's Calling. And we'll talk about that as we go through it, what that's all about. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 26, as uh, Kevin said. That's the basis for where this, season, this series came from. And, and we're going to start in, in Acts 26. One of the things we see is we're going to be looking at one of the most dramatic conversion accounts in the Bible. The conversion of Saul um, to, you know, from uh, a, a religious Jew to a full-blown, on-fire believer for Jesus Christ is pretty dramatic and pretty radical. And so the Apostle Paul is in chapter 26 describing this account of how Jesus saved him while he was on the road to Damascus actively persecuting Christ's church. So he was going there. Paul was going there. He known as Saul. I'm going to use the names Saul and Paul interchangeably. they the same person, so just deal with it. And so he was going to persecute those, who, those Jews who had accepted Jesus as their Savior. And within this account, we're going to find the theme for our series. And so the background is Paul is telling his story. He's witnessing to King Agrippa. And as soon after he does this, he's going to be on a boat headed for Rome, where he will eventually make an appeal to Caesar. So pick it up in chapter 26 in verse 12. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, he's going to persecute them. At midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me saying in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goat. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Saul or Paul believed that what he was doing was right. As he was headed to Damascus, he believed he was doing God's work to go and to persecute Christians, persecute these Christian Jews who had defected from the Jewish faith or traitors to Judaism, and he believed he was doing God's will. Now, a goad, for most of us, that's not a tool that we record early, that we keep. I don't know, anybody got a goad in their garage? No, okay, I didn't, I didn't think so. Um, you know, it was a tool designed to motivate animals to do what you, wanted, what you want them to do. And so there's lots of different descriptions of how they work and whatnot, but ultimately it was to motivate an animal to do what you want it to rather than what it wants to. And so God created each of us with a purpose, right? It's not an accident. Anybody here believe you're an accident? You're, that's not right. You're not an accident. Even if, even if your parents accidentally had you, you're still not an accident. Every one of us has a purpose. We're, we're here for a reason. And on the journey to discover and walk in our specific purpose, God will send things to motivate us to go his way. Right? Because what's our nature? What's our nature? What way, what, what way is our nature to go? Our own way. 
the way we think is right, the, thing, the way we think is best, or the way, you know, Bill Gates says is best, heaven forbid. But, you know, we'll pick something. We'll pick some way of thinking, and we'll follow that, sometimes to our own harm, sometimes to our own, our own shame, lots of different ways that we can go. We're living in a time of great evil. We're living in a time of growing evil. We're living in a time of, of evil that has been that has been that is saturating huge sections of our culture in ways that I don't, I don't know that at least you know in our lifetime we've not seen anything like this and and it could be as worse or worse than it's ever been in history and there's a lot of things tempting us to go the wrong way a lot of things that we look at and they seem right in our eyes but they are the way of destruction. And so God will send things to goad us to go in the right direction, to motivate us to go in the right direction. And Jesus says to Paul, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to kick against those goads. In reality, it would not be hard. It'd be painful. It'd be difficult. It would hurt, cause pain. Why? Why would God do that? Why would God put a goad? Why would God try to motivate Saul or any one of us to go a different direction than we are? That's because he has a purpose for us. And God had a great purpose for Saul. And Saul, Paul, was resisting. He was going the direction he thought was best. And God said, you know what? I need to change your direction. I need to change it now. And so to get Paul's attention, God had to knock him down, literally, into the dirt. Now, what we need to understand, it was not a punishment. God wasn't doing it to punish him. But God didn't want him to stay down. He didn't want him to stay with his face in the dirt. God had a plan. Verse 16, but rise and stand on your feet which is where we get the theme. It's a theme kind of phrase for this series. Stand, rise and stand on your feet. Now, in this context, it was literally get up out of the dirt and stand on your feet. The first thing I want you to notice about this is Paul's position. Paul had fallen to the ground and and I think more literally, he was knocked to the ground by the presence of Christ in the way that he appeared to him. And the question we might ask ourselves is, why, why did Jesus feel it necessary to knock Paul down into the dirt to speak to him? Well, because it was the only place that he would be able to hear him. That Paul was not going to listen, was not listening, had not been listening, and the only way that he was going to hear Christ speak is if God knocked him down in the dirt, in his face, on the, in, the, in the ground. It was the only position that allowed Paul to hear Jesus. Jesus brought, Jesus, Jesus brought Paul low so that Paul's ears would be open to Jesus' call upon his life. Jesus also said something that reminds us that getting knocked down in this life is normal. 
in John 16, 33. So these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In this world you will get knocked down. If you want to kind of bring it into context here with our message, you're going to get knocked down. You know, to imagine that it's not going to happen is really to set yourself up for disappointment and frustration. So lying there in the dirt, which we'll ultimately find out he was also blinded, blinded by the glorious appearing of Christ, it's hard for us to imagine in that moment that Paul was feeling at peace and cheerful about his circumstances. Can't we all relate to that? When we find ourselves down in the dirt, finding it really hard to be at peace and being cheerful. But we can because, because we may have peace, Jesus says in John 16, 33, and we can be of good cheer. Those are possibilities. Maybe not right away, but we can get there. You know, as believers, as men of God, and we all know what it feels like to get knocked down, right? I mean, can't, can't we all recognize that there have been times in our lives where we've been knocked down? And, and, and we need to understand that there's lots of reasons why it might happen. God can do it, as in this context, you know, to get our attention. You know, that there's, you know, God, you know, we've been, we've been going our own way and God says, okay, if I don't, if I don't do something now, he's going to, he is going to go all the way to destruction. And he says, Okay. If we won't listen, if we won't hear that, 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 that whisper in our ear of the Holy Spirit speaking to us, if we're, if we're neglecting those things that God uses to speak to us, um, you know, as that young man said, he, he had been neglecting it. You know, he, he walked out of here with a Bible. You want to know why? He probably had been ne neglecting the Word of God. Now, we don't know him very well, so we don't know his whole story. We know enough to know that he, he, needs, he needs God. He needs God's people. God can do it to get our attention. Sometimes it's our own sin that knocks us down, right? We just do the wrong thing. And you know what? <laughs> our sin finds us out, and there's a consequence attached to it. And sometimes that happens. Or it could be the consequence of someone else's sin. If you've ever had an addict in your life, you know what that's about. If you ever had a rebellious child in your life, you know what that's about. Could be the consequence of being a believer. Just being a believer in this evil and wicked world, there can be consequences. You can get knocked down. There are many, many ways that we might find ourselves with our faces in the dirt and wondering and asking and, and thinking about it. But I believe that in Jesus' words to Paul apply to any believer who finds themselves in this place. Rise and stand on your feet. That that, if we're believers in, in Jesus Christ, that doesn't matter how far we get knocked down, that we can rise, that we can stand on our feet. Paul, his first thing we notice about this account is that he, uh, his position, he was down, he was low. Next thing we notice is, is, is Jesus' timing. When did Jesus speak to Paul after knocking him down? Well, seemingly immediately after. That, that 
Jesus knocked him down and they just didn't just leave him there and they say, well, let's see if he figures this out. The moment he knocked him down, he started talking to him. We find ourselves knocked down and however it might happen, some area of our life, our health, our finances, our job, our relationships, our dreams, whatever, when should we start talking to God about it? When should we start listening for God's voice? Immediately, right? But that's not natural. That's not our normal way, especially as men. What do we, what do we as men tend to do when we find ourselves with our faces in the dirt? We start, we, we will start trying to figure it out. We'll do, we'll do those things that are natural to us. We'll do those things that, you know, I'm a man. I can figure this out. I can handle this. I can do this. In reality, that's a very foolish thing to do. Hebrews 11:6 6 says this, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I'm pretty sure that being knocked down with your face, you know, kissing the dirt qualifies as a time of need, right? Would you acknowledge that? That if you get knocked down, that's a time of need. So, so based on that verse, when can we go to the throne of grace and mercy? Immediately. And not just immediately, boldly go and, and ask God to pick us up, to help us up, to, to, to say, God, what am I supposed to learn from this? Am I here because of my own dumbness? Or am I here this because of somebody else? Am I here because we're living in an evil and wicked world? You know, what, what is the concept? Why am I here? Don't wait. Immediately start talking to God. Immediately start listening. And, and just as an aside, listen more than you talk. A lot of times we spend way too much time talking, praying and praying and praying, but we don't pause and listen. We don't get into God's word and say, God, speak to me about this thing that's going on in my life right now. I need to hear from you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at your word, allow your word to minister to me. And I'm, I'll talk to my brothers. I'll talk to Pastor Randy because he's super smart. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find some way to hear your voice and understand that there are a lot of different ways that we can hear, but we have to listen intentionally, saying, God, I must hear you. I need to hear you. Open my ears and then put me in that place. But then you need to, you need to avail yourself to every way that God might speak. And you do that until you hear him. First, we looked at Paul's position he was humbled before the Lord Jesus. Second, we talked about Jesus' timing. He started talking and listening to God. We should start talking and listening to God as soon as we start being knocked down. The moment you're in a downward move, movement, you ought to be, I mean, I, I was the picture of Jesus walking on the water um, kind of came to me as I was, I was preparing this. And then Peter, you know, hey, I'll, hey, I can do that. Hey, Jesus, invite me out. I'll, I'll walk on the water to you. And he does. And what happens? He looks around. Ah! And, and, and the moment he starts to sing, what does he do? He cries out, Lord, save me. And what does Jesus do? Immediately stretches out his hand and grabs him. That's the image I think we ought to start to, to put into our minds. And that moment we start to see, our, so we start to sense and recognize, oh, oh, wait a minute. 
I'm moving down and that's not where I'm supposed to. That's when we start reaching up. That's when we start looking up. That's when we start crying out to God to save us. Third thing, let's think about Paul's ability, Saul, Paul's ability. Jesus told Saul, Paul, to rise and stand on his feet. Was Paul able to do what Jesus told him to do? Well, yes, probably wasn't that big of a deal for him to stand up. But what we do know is that it, it, was, it was more than just standing up because ultimately he couldn't just stand up and stay there because one of the things we learn in Acts chapter 9 is that the, the event blinded Paul for three days. He needed to be helped into Damascus and had to be taken care of every moment of that time for three days until Ananias came and healed him. Jesus told his disciples that nothing would be impossible if they had enough faith, if they just believed. Paul would later write, from a Roman prison, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. Now, not all things that I want to do, I can do all things he wants to do. The world's gonna try to knock you down and, and it may be successful Faith can help us to stand against those assaults, against that pressure, against that downward pressure that is on some of us day after day, moment after moment. Faith can help us to stand against it. Or Ephesians 6, 11 through 13, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness, of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Can't stand if you don't rise up. We need to rise up. We need to make that conscious choice to, to lift ourselves up out of our, out of our circumstance, above our circumstance and stand. Now, a strong enough faith can keep the devil and the world and the weakness of your flesh from knocking you down. We can withstand the attacks of the devil. That's possible to be able to stand regardless of what comes. But the reality is we're probably gonna get knocked down. Most of us don't have that level of faith. I'm counting myself too. I've been knocked down plenty of times. If you get knocked down, let God humble you. Let him humble you. The only way to rise and stand on your feet is through humility before God. It's not, that doesn't, that doesn't make human sense to us. You know, humble is down, right? When we think of that, humble is down. But the Bible teaches us if you want to be up, you, you've got to humble yourself down. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says this, Therefore, humble yourselves, make a conscious choice to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that, that he may exalt you, lift you up, stand you up 
casting all in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. If you want to rise up, the first thing you have to do is bow down before him. If you want to rise up, you want to stand up, you want to be you want to rise, you've got to fall down on your, in your on your face before him. Now, if in your pride you think you can raise yourself up and stand on your own, God will let you try. But the reality is most of us can't. The pressure is too great. The attacks come are relentless. And he will wait and allow you to experience as much pain and suffering as you want until you humble yourself before him. you notice in that, in that verse in Peter, he says, in due time. When is that? When God decides. When do we want it? Well, as soon as I ask for it, I want it. You know, as soon as I humble myself, I want you to, you know, exalt me, God. Never, never soon enough for us, but it's always the right time with God. Life will knock you down. But Jesus says, rise up. Why? Why does he do that? Why, why, why doesn't he just leave us with our face in the dirt? That's probably what we deserve, right? You know, and, we're, and we, we, we get all rebellious or, or, you know, faithless or whatever. I mean, God would be justified just to leave us in the dirt. But he doesn't do that. Why not? Let's read verse 26, the whole thing. Or verse 16, excuse me. But rise up, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. And so what Jesus is saying to him, you've already seen some things. You know, he had, he had, he had witnessed the, the, the death of Stephen, the, you know, the first martyr of the church, Saul was right there, watched that all happen. He'd seen other things, other testimonies of other believers. And God eventually showed Paul just a grip load of stuff, more than just about anybody on earth. Jesus said that his father was always doing something in the world. Now, we're living in a time where there's a lot of evil things going on in the world. There's even evil things going on in churches. That doesn't mean God's not working. God is always working. In John 5, 17, Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now, and I have been working. And one of the things that I think should always cause us to wonder and just marvel at, God works in the world through humans. I mean, that should blow you away. You know, he doesn't have to, right? God doesn't need any of us. He is complete, he is all-powerful, he is omniscient, omnipresent, all that stuff. He does not need one human to do his will. And yet, he works primarily through humans. He chooses to do that. And Jesus says to Paul, Saul, this is the reason I want you to rise and stand on your feet. Jesus knocked Saul down 
so that, so that he would be humbled before God and, and, and be useful for God for the things that God intended for him to do. That God had a plan, and it was a big plan for Saul. And that big plan needed Saul to get in the right place so he could hear the voice of the Lord. And that meant God had to knock him off his donkey and onto his backside. He says here, to make you a minister and a witness. Now, I want to just kind of a little pause here, if you will. There are two categories of purposes, you know, God's purposes for us. There are general purposes and specific purposes. General purposes apply to all believers. Specific purposes apply to individual believers, and, and the, the general ones are the same for all believers. The specific ones are going to be very unique to each individual believer. Being a minister and a witness is a general purpose of all believers. Every believer is ordained by God to be a minister and a witness. Now, when we think of minister, what do we think of? Guy wearing black, you know, white collar. Okay, no, not, not that. Um, you know, they think of somebody like me. They think of a pastor. Well, you know, you've been around me long enough, you know what the word means. The word minister means servant. It literally means servant. Which of God's people are called to serve God? All of them. All of them in some way. They're called to serve. And we serve in many different ways. We serve in every, every place where there's another human. If you're around another human, you're called to serve in that environment, in that way. In whatever way, you know, you know, Randy in his, you know, his hospice, he he serves the people of that hospice, you know, of that organization. You serve as the whatever it is you do, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you're serving. Any anytime humans are involved with other humans, if you put a believer in that mix, their responsibility is to serve there. You become a minister to that group. Now, that doesn't mean you're preaching at them. Doesn't mean you're, you know, you're gospelizing them on a, you know, on a moment by moment basis. But you are a reflection of the character and nature of Christ. You are light. You are salt in that environment. And and should God give you a a a a venue to proclaim the truth of God, then you take it and you do that. That's ministering to. That's a shepherding them. You know, the witnessing, again, that, that, that combined with that of witnessing, you know, being testifying, you know, being a, being a witness. Has God done anything in your life? If you can't say, well, yeah, lots, then you're not paying attention. He's done a lot. He's, he did save you from hell. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good one, right? I mean, lots of other things that he does on a regular basis. And so, and so that should become a part of how we communicate with the world. It's just we're not afraid to tell people that, that God is real and that he's working in our lives and, and how he's done it. And again, we've got to be, you know, be sensitive. We've got to be careful. And certain environments don't allow it you know, to be open. But we still, it, has to be a, it just has to be a part of who we are. And we had to recognize, I am a minister, I am a witness, regardless of what titles I have, where they are. You know, as a husband, I am a, I am a minister to my wife. As a father, I'm a minister to my children, to my grandchildren. I, as a, as a you know, guy who lives in my house, I'm a minister to my neighbors. 
You know, again, anywhere where humans come in any contact, you put a Christian in the mix, that person, that Christian becomes a minister and is called to minister and to witness. That's a general um, purpose. In, ad in addition to general purposes, there are specific purposes. And Jesus tells Paul about his in verse 17. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. That, that's the key there of, of his specific uh, purpose was to be sent. And the, and the, and the, the idea of being sent is the uh, idea of an apostle. An apostle was a, the, a sent one. And so Paul is being called, he's being ordained here by Jesus as an apostle. Two, in verse 18, open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. First, Jesus promises to rescue Paul from those who would oppose him. And, and we see, if you look through the book of Acts, you see that happening over and over and over again. He didn't always get rescued. There, you know, he actually got stoned one time. You know, and I, you know, I mean with like rocks, stoned. And some believe to death, you know, that he actually died and was resurrected again. Yeah, so, and then Jesus tells him that his, that his specific purpose is to carry the gospel out. And, then, and Paul would later refine that calling to carry it out to people who had not heard the name of Jesus before. And so he, this very specific calling. Every one of God's people has a specific purpose in the work of God in the world. Everyone. No one is called to be a Christian spectator in, in, the, in the kingdom of God. Now, we might refer to this idea of a specific purpose as a calling. I'm a little careful with that particular term because it's got so much baggage on it. You know, we hear, you know, what, you know what's your calling? You know, people start thinking of, you know, ordinations and rituals and other things like that. What a calling is, is whatever God has determined he wants you to do in the world. If he's already determined something he wants you to do in the world, then he has. In case you're wondering, he has. That's your calling. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's in the church. It, it could be something he wants you to do in the world. A calling is whatever he wants you to do in his kingdom. My purpose, if I were to define it, and I'm going to encourage you each to do that before we're done, is to be the primary shepherd of Calvary Chapel, French Valley. I can summarize it very simply. That's my primary purpose. That's my calling. Now, within that, there will be sub-callings. There will be sub-categories and different things. Now, that's my calling. It's not your calling. It's not even Randy's calling. He's not called to be the primary shepherd. He is one of the shepherds. I also consider myself one of the shepherds, but I also have to refine it a little bit more because God's called me to be the primary shepherd. It doesn't make me special. It's just what I am. It's what God called me to be, and to ignore it or to deny it is to deny what God has done. Each of us has something. You know, Kevin could, you know, say within one of his callings might be, you know, to minister to the men of Calvary Chapel French Valley. And, and he might have a 
He might say that differently. He might have a different way of viewing it. Each one of us has to find that for ourselves. We can't, we can't make it up. My calling is mine, Randy's and Kevin's, and each of yours is yours. And that specific calling is not something that I can give you. I can help you to find it maybe, but I can't tell you what it is. Only God can do that. Listen, guys, we are living in times and this series that you're going to start next week or a week after is going to talk about that. It's going to talk about the reality of this world that we're living in and the darkness and the evil that we see around us. And, and, and the reality is, is that, you know, one of, the, one of the primary victims of all of this are men. Men are suffering terribly. They're being knocked down like crazy. Our culture is trying to erase the line, an unerasable line. They're trying to erase an unerasable line between men and women, saying that they're not, they're not, that they're the same or that one can be the other. Or men who know they are men are threatened if their masculinity is too masculine. Listen, being a man is not a sin, okay? It's not a sin. And, and being masculine in a way that glorifies God is not toxic. It doesn't matter what your culture says, being a man is not a sin. God made you for something. And he made you for something today. It's not a mistake that you're alive today. It's not a mistake that you're alive in a culture that's getting darker and more evil every single day. It's not a mistake that you are here today. God made you for something special. He made you for something specific. In Ephesians 2.10, it says this, for we are his workmanship, meaning God made you exactly the way you are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works are what? Whatever God says they are. Wherever he says they are. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If he made you, and he made you for good works, and he's prepared those works for you in advance, what do you think he wants us to do? He wants us to get busy and do them. Listen, guys, those good works are how we fight the darkness. It's how we stand up and we resist the evil that is in this world. We're living in a time where men are being knocked down on a regular basis and the world is going to continue trying to knock us down. They're going to knock down us as individuals. They're going to knock us down as churches. They're going to come against us any way that they possibly can. And we, and not to be, I mean, not, not being chicken little here, you know, not saying the whole sky is falling, just part of it. And we need to recognize that we have to stand up against the evil that's coming. And if we don't, what's going to happen? Now, some guys are getting knocked down, but there are others. Got their Barker loungers all, you know, leaning back. They got their remote in their hand, and they're just sliding through life. And the darkness is growing all around them. We got to do something. We have to rise up. We have to stand on our feet. Jesus would say to each 
of them, each of us, rise up. You have work to do for me, Jesus would say to you. You have work to do. I titled this series, Rise Up, Challenging Men to Live Up to God's Calling. I could add a little bit more to it in this evil world or dark world or whatever, but you get the point. My challenge to you this month, and I'm going to challenge you to do something, and that is to identify your specific calling, your specific purpose in God's work. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to share what I believe mine are, and, and you should be able to get this down to a three-by-five card, one side. My specific purpose, I already said it, is to shepherd God's people at Calvary Chapel French Valley as the senior pastor. That's my, that's my primary purpose. A subset of that for me is to magnify God's son by teaching God's word to God's people by the power of God's spirit. That's one of the things that I, I tend to focus on when I'm doing those things. Now, it took me a good part of two decades to get to that. I'd been doing a lot of it, but to articulate it the way that I'm saying it, it took me a long time to get there. One, I didn't even know that I thought I wanted to. I didn't, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing stuff. But here's why it's important. When I get knocked down, and it happens, like three weeks of pneumonia, that wasn't my plan, that knocked me down. I mean, I, 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 I struggled with my health, but it wasn't just my health. It was frustrating to me that I couldn't, I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Couldn't do those things that I needed to do. I was sharing with Randy. I haven't finished Sunday's message because I'm still trying to catch up from being almost dead for three weeks. It wasn't that bad. But what do I need to do? When I get to that place where I get knocked down by whatever it is, it's, it's a health thing, a relationship thing, or whatever, I need to rise up and then get to work. But I need to know what that work is, what it is I'm called to do. What is the, what is the main thing that God created me for? And I need to get back at it as, as quickly and, as, and, as, and as, as diligently as I possibly can. And, and, and I don't concern myself with why I was where I was, unless I need to do some restoration or healing or something like that. I don't, I don't, I don't get all worked up about, okay, you know, was that a spiritual attack? Is that how, is that why I got sick? Maybe I, I, too much stress. Maybe that was it. Maybe blah, 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 whatever. It doesn't matter. It just happened. What do I need to do? I need to get back to work right now. Don't worry about yesterday. Focus on today. Focus on what God is calling you to do. When you get knocked down, here's something you understand. If you get knocked down, you're not where God wants you to stay. Too many guys get down there and they start going through mental or spiritual gymnastics, trying to solve all of these things, trying to understand what's going. It just doesn't matter. What's God calling you to do? He's calling you to rise up, stand on your feet, get back to work. Do what I created you to do. If God wants to tell you something about why you ended up where you did, okay, well, that's part of listening, right? Let him talk to you. But until then, you get back to work. 
fix your eyes on Jesus, seek his wisdom and direction, and then set out to do your part to rise up, stand on your feet, and get back to work. Listen, guys, we're living in a dark time. If God's men aren't standing up, if they aren't rising up and standing on their feet and getting to work, it's just going to keep getting darker. We, we are the light. You know, we, we, we don't have, we aren't the light. We actually, the, we are a reflection of the light, but we carry this light out of the world. And we do that by doing these things, by rising up, standing up. And by doing these things, we take the light of Jesus Christ out into this dark world. And it needs that. And that's why, as Kevin said in the, in the introduction, we have got to be, we got to be adding tables to this setup. We got to get more guys into this group and encouraging them and, and, and getting them all fired up. I, I can't tell you how, what an encouragement to me it was to have that young man show up. It, it just, it was like God saying, this is what we need to do. That's the kind of guy that needs to show up next Saturday morning and, and sit down and have a conversation with I, each of us. And there are probably other guys either in our lives or around our lives that need to be here. You know, he shared. He's, he just doesn't have any accountability. He's out of fellowship. And we all know it. We, we were talking about that earlier, the people we haven't seen around very much. You know, about what do we need to do to reach out to them, to bring them back from the edges, back into the center where they belong. The most dangerous place to be in the flock is on the edges. You know why? Because that's where all the predators are. The safest place is in the middle. Those that are vulnerable, those that are weak, they need to be in the center. You know, those of you that are strong, hey, you can stand up and you can, you can defend the weak ones, but best place for you is in the middle too. Amen? So let's get to work. Rise up, O men of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, for your grace, your mercy, your love, and I pray for these men. Lord, and for any man who will see this, will recognize that you've called us as men to rise up and to stand on our feet and to lead those around us towards you. That we, as we do the specific good works that you created us for, that through that, your light will shine out into the darkness of this world. There's evil all around us. And Lord, that young man that came this morning is has been touched by a fair amount of it. And Lord, there are so many out there that are hurting, that are struggling, that are weak, that are defenseless, that are, that are, they have their faces in the dirt and they have no idea what to do about it. We do, because you told us, rise up, stand on your feet, humble ourselves before God, and you will exalt us in due time. But we need to pause. We need to listen to your voice. We need to seek your voice. And then, and then after we've done that, we need to get to work. And if we don't know exactly what it is we're supposed to do, we just need to do something. And we keep doing that something until the thing makes itself clear to us. I pray, Lord, for your anointing on these men, 
your blessing of them as they, as they seek to understand this month, they seek to know that specific calling that you have on their lives, even if they start just scribbling down notes this month, Lord, and on, the, on a 20-year journey to answer that question. Hopefully it doesn't take that long. But if it does, Lord God, that you would, that you would uh, coach them and guide them along that process because it's only there, only in that place where we, we find out exactly what it is that, that you made us for, that we can stand so firmly against the attacks that come. And that when we do stumble, when we do fall down, when we do get knocked down, we can get up so much easier and we can get back to it. That your good, your light, your truth, your love, your grace, your mercy, your hope can be shared with those around us. Help us to be busy about the work. Help us to rise up, even in the, in the midst of the darkness, and stand on our feet and let you shine through us. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us for the Rise Up series. It's our hope that these messages will help you to grow in your faith. If you have questions, or if there's anything that we can do to help you with that, please do not hesitate to connect with us. Go to calvaryfv.com connect to find all the ways that you can connect with us. As Christians, we are all connected in Christ. And one of the ways that we would like to engage with you is in the area of prayer. Please let us know how we can be praying with you. Send us an email to prayer at calvaryfv.com or text the word PRAY to 951-419-5396. If this material has blessed you in any way, has been useful to you in any way, please share it with someone. Also, please pray that God would use these messages to help others find hope in Jesus Christ. You can also partner with us financially by going to calvaryfe.com slash give or text the word GIVE to 951-419-5396. Until next time, go be radical with Jesus. Jesus.